0: Earlier this week, uh, one of the pastors of the church came to me and he asked me, hey, what what are you you speaking on for Easter? And uh, and I told him, you know, honestly, I don't know yet. And uh, that was yesterday morning. And uh, and that was earlier this week. I I said, I don't don't know. I don't know what I'm speaking on. And and he said this. He goes, hey, why don't you just uh, just get up there and just share whatever you would share if you knew it was going to be your last day on earth. Oh, wow, that's kind of intense, you know. Just to to stop and think, yeah, what would I say if, if this was my last day on Earth? And the, the crazy thing about that statement is is that I don't know that this isn't my last day on Earth. You know, I I mean, who who knows? Who knows that this last message and, and 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 when I thought about it, I, and some of you may think, gosh, that's kind of morbid, you know, to think this could be your last day on Earth. But you see. For those of us who believe, who literally believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then it's not a morbid thought. You know, I mean, that's the whole point of the resurrection is that he would take away the sting of death or this, any, any type of fear of death for someone to come and say, look, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead and, and, and conquer death. And you can follow me and you don't need to fear anymore. For someone to actually do that and then pull it off, it gives us the hope, the excitement to where I I don't sit here and go, yeah, this might be the last day on earth for me and and fear that. I go, man, you guys, you understand? This could be my last day on earth. And actually, that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. And and it was such a good process for me to just sit down and go, okay, if this really was the last thing I would say to you guys, what would I say? And honestly, it didn't take very long for me to figure out exactly what I'd want to say. You guys, if I could say anything to everyone on this planet, it'd be, don't take God so casually. And make sure you have a high view of God. And I just feel like people, just when they think about God, it's just, we talk about Him like it's no big deal. Man, and I see faces. I see the way people worship Him. Even people that go to church. Man, it's just this casual, no big deal. It's just God, you know. Oh God, this God. And we talk about Him like He's another person like us. Like, he's no big deal. People talk about, oh, when I see God, i got this question, that question. Like, he's some little freaky guy up there that, you know, when you get up there, he's saying, hey, you know, come on in, you know, got any questions? You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. You guys, I feel like the world's forgotten how huge, how amazing this God is. There have only been a few people, there have only been like a handful of people who, while they were on earth, got to see God in His glory. And I tell you, when those people talked about it, it was anything but casual. Man, mean, you, you, you know, I always think back to, to, to when Isaiah saw God. I mean, it was just so intense to him. It was huge, and I don't think we think that way. We just flippantly talk about the end of our lives. We flippantly talk about, oh yeah, when I see God, this or that. And I'm just going, man, do you get it? Do you understand how incredible this is going to be? How amazing it's going to be. I mean, Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet, okay? He was a prophet of God. So if anyone could come before God and have a casual conversation, it'd be Isaiah. Man, when I say a prophet, a prophet was a person whom God spoke to directly, and then he would speak to the people on behalf of God. And these prophets knew the future because God would tell them the future. And you've got to understand, it's not like the prophets today. Do you understand the Old Testament taught that if you if you claim to be a prophet, you claim to speak for God, that you had to be a hundred percent accurate. If you ever gave one prophecy that was off, if you said something was going to happen and then it didn't turn out like you said, they would kill you. That was the Old Testament law. You see, people nowadays they go, oh, hey friends, have you heard about that prophet in Europe? He's like eighty and ninety percent right. What do you think? Ah, and we should kill him. You know, it's just that. That's biblically that's right because if you speak for God then you're never wrong because God isn't ninety percent right he's not eighty percent right he's hundred percent accurate and so you understand that the Old Testament times man when you said you were a prophet man you're you, were, you were walking on some pretty pretty uh, you know crazy crazy ground I mean you had to be accurate and that's the way Isaiah was and he explained that he actually got to see God and you guys, this passage has always just struck me because he, he, he describes it. And just right now, you know, erase any pictures you have of God, you know, from, from your mind or, or things you've made up. And, and, and hear what, what, what someone says about a person who actually got to see God. Hear his words. He says, he says in Isaiah 6, verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was seated on a throne, lofty and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah said, man, I got to see God. And he goes, and it wasn't like this little old man on a chair. He says it was this throne, this massive throne, and, and this being was so huge, so big. The Picture of this. He says his robe filled up the entire temple. You guys, what do you do when you walk into a room and you see a being who is so huge that he fills up the entire thing? I mean, you understand, you know, when I say, hey, if this is my last day on earth, I I stand before God, that's who I stand before. Honestly, what are you going to do when you come before that God? You walk in, you see this being who fills up the entire temple. And then he goes on and he describes what he sees. And he says, and above him were these seraphs, these angels. And they each have six wings. With two, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. And with two, they flew. So then he sees these high angels up there. These high angels. And it says that they have these six wings. And with two, they cover up their faces. With two, they cover their feet. So they're covered from head to toe. Why? Because they don't believe that they're worthy to be looked upon by God. Or to look upon him. You guys, these are the high angels. And they're covering themselves up head to toe before this being. And, And Isaiah says that what they were doing is that it says that one of them was shouting out to the other one. And they're shouting back and forth. And this is what they're saying. They're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and a temple was filled with smoke. He says, when these angels spoke, it was so loud that everything was shaking. I mean, imagine if I spoke so loud right now that the earth began to shake. I mean, that's just intense. And and what they were screaming is they're screaming at each other and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Do you understand what holy means? Holy means, man, He's separate it means distinct it means set apart they're saying this this being in front of us he's not normal he's not like you and me he's not just another guy sitting here on a chair this being is holy i I can't even look upon him that's what they're saying about this god Man, what do you do i mean honestly if you put yourself in isaiah's shoes and you come before this god what are you going to do Put yourself in his shoes right now. You're standing there. You've got these angels screaming out, He's so holy. He's so holy. And everything's shaking. The whole place is filling with smoke and there's just this being before you sitting on this throne filling up the whole place. And you're going to be casual about Him? You're going to tell me there are things in your life that are more important than knowing that God and being right before Him? Man, I know if this was my last day on earth, this is what I'd say is, man, get ready. That's God. That's who we're facing. Do you get that? Man, honestly, I feel like we walk in this room and we're like in a cloud with all the things that go on in the world that we think are so huge. But I tell you, the moment you come before God, damn, it's going to hit you and you're going to go, man, why did I care about all that stuff? All that stuff, I, I thought I was, I was so proud on the earth. I was so proud of who I was. This, you're not going to care about any of that. You're going to stand before this God. And that's huge. You guys, I, I, I did this funeral. I did a funeral about uh, just a couple months ago. And, and it was this little old lady who, uh, it was her husband that died. They'd been married for 62 years. Okay, 62 years. I didn't know this lady. You know, her, her son goes to church and, and she comes to my office. It's this frail little, lady, sweet lady. You know, And I was like, oh, honey, 62 years tell me about the marriage. And she just goes on talking about him and, and this relationship. And, and, and I go, okay, what do, what do you want me to do at this memorial service? What do you want me to say? And she looks at me and she goes, just shake them up. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, people need to be shaken up. And she goes, my biggest fear, she goes, my biggest fear is that people are going to come to this memorial service and they're going to leave and be unaffected. She goes, please, just say something that shakes them up and makes them realize what God is all about. And I was like, all okay, right, you don't have to worry about that. I'll, 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 uh, I'll come with something. But I just love the heart of that little lady because she says, you know, I don't want people coming here and just going and no big deal. And that's the last thing I want today is for you to come in here and go, oh, that's a cute little service. Maybe I'll come again next year. If I'm really good, maybe, maybe I'll come on Christmas Eve too. You know, I, It's like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I want you to just wake up for a second and realize that any second you're going to stand before this God and and to put yourself in those shoes and imagine what's that going to feel like for you to be before that God and what are you going to care about at that moment? Honestly. What are you going to care about? And people say to me, they go, man, when you talk like that and you you describe this awesome, holy God, I go, why do you do that? Why do you have to portray Him as such a big, holy, amazing God? And I go, well, because that's what He is. Man, that's the way the Bible describes him. And people go, but I don't want to think about him as this big, you know, God to be feared. All right. Don't. That's not going to change who he is. That's just who he is. I mean, you guys can walk out of this room today and go, wow, I just heard a sermon from this, this Irishman who was six foot five. All right, I'm not. I mean, you can go and you can you can think whatever you want to think about me, and I'm just telling you, that's not who I am. You know, and in the same way, you know, people go, yeah, well, I don't want to think about God that way. I don't. Want, that doesn't matter. Just because you don't want him to be a certain way, that doesn't change who he really is. This is who he is. This is who you are going to face. You see, and, and when Isaiah said the... When he saw this God, man, it, it wasn't just this casual encounter. It was huge. And, and, and the thing is, as people that, that want this cuddly, nice, little, warm God that they can manage, you know, what's amazing to me, what I love about God is that He is holy. I mean, if, if God was just some little, wussy, you know, cuddly guy up there, it's like, you know what, i got enough friends like that. You know, this is, this is God this holy being, and the Bible says that he loves me, and I have a relationship with him. See, that's what makes this thing so amazing. It's like that God says that he loves me. And the Bible says if that God is for me, who can be against me? See, I, I depend on his holiness. Why, why do I love the fact that God is so big, so huge? It's because that God is crazy about me. And that's what makes life worth living. But but what would you do, honestly? If you were in Isaiah's shoes, what would you say? What do you say to this God? I mean, how Isaiah responds is in verse 5. When he sees God and all this happens, he says, Woe is me. I cried. I am ruined. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The King, the Lord Almighty. He goes, oh, woe is me. Now, now to, to us, that doesn't mean anything, right? Because we don't use the word woe nowadays. But the word woe, it meant cursed. It meant damned. It, it, was, it was a sound of this, oh, like this painful, guttural woe. And, and, and when he says, I am ruined, it, it literally means I'm about to be Destroyed. So Isaiah, when he sees God, he just goes, Oh, I'm dead. He's going to kill me. Why? He says, because I'm a man of unclean lips. He goes, because I think about when I was on earth some of the things I said. You guys, what's crazy about this, again, is that Isaiah was a prophet. I mean, if he were alive today, you and I would look at Isaiah and go, Man, there's a good guy. There's a man of God. Oh, he lived a good life. And yeah, compared to you he did. You know, if he were to compare himself to other people, yeah, sure, he's a good person. But compared to God, only thing out of his mouth is he's gonna kill me. Because I know what I've done on this earth. I know what's come out of this mouth, and this God hates it. This God hates sin. You see, so many people think, No, I'm a good person, I'm gonna come before God, we're gonna talk, He's gonna realise how good I am. You guys, this is this is one of his prophets that realizes, man, when you come into the presence of a holy God, the first thing you recognize is what a sinner you are and how much you've screwed up in life. Man, I, I know my life. I know the commands I've broken. And we all sit here and we know, you know, many of us have these pasts that are hidden and, and things about our lives that God knows and you know that you're going to have to face Him one day. It's going to be just like Isaiah. Everything's going to be just thrown to the forefront. You go, oh, I'm dead. See? Some people go, well, I don't like that part of God. I don't, I don't want to believe that he, he's going to judge. You know, some people say, well, God can't judge. You know, God's not going to judge me. And we walk around with this arrogance. What are you going to do? You're going to come before God and say, sorry, you can't judge me. What are you going to do? Let me explain something to you. God does whatever he wants. He doesn't need my permission. He doesn't need your permission. You're going to stand before God he's going to judge you. And people go, well, then how can you say you believe in a loving God? Because a loving God would not judge. Okay, so every judge across America today, all the judges across America, are you saying they're unloving? If someone's a judge and, 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 he, and someone's guilty and he punishes them, do you go, oh, what an unloving judge? No, you go, what a fair judge. In fact, you get, don't you get angry when someone gets off and you know he was guilty and they don't get punished? You get angry about that. Why? Because then that judge is not being fair. It has nothing to do with love. It has to do with justice. And the Bible says that God is a just God. He's a just judge. He has to punish the guilty. And that's why Isaiah's going, I know what he's like. He has to punish me. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. But that's not what happens. That's what's amazing about the story is it says in the next verse... In verse 6, it says, Then one of the seraphs, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Okay, Isaiah didn't do anything. Isaiah didn't like make up for his sins or this or that. He says, man, as he just fell and just, just thought, man, I'm just dead, this angel comes. And touches his lips and says, you you think your lips are, are dirty or guilty? I'm going to cleanse them. You see, because your sins have been atoned for. Someone else is paying for your sins. See, that's the whole picture of the cross. The whole idea is this fair God looks at you and says, I've got to punish you because you've done some things in your life. That's fair. I've got to punish you. But the thing about God is that he says that he loves you so much that rather than punishing you, he says, I'm going to show the world not only that I'm a fair God, I'm a powerful God, but I'm a loving God. And he has his son come down on the earth and take the form of a man like you and I. And he has his son up on a cross and he says, watch, I'm going to nail him to a cross. And on that cross, he is going to take all of the punishment, all of God's wrath, all of his justice was appeased when he nailed Jesus to the cross he was paying for everything you did wrong. And the Bible says, if you really believe in that, you won't be be punished at the end of your life. If you truly believe that, that Jesus would actually atone for your sins, he's actually taken the punishment already. If you don't believe that, then you can go on in your life thinking, oh, I'm going to make my way up there, I'm going to do it myself, and then you'll have to pay for your crimes at the end of your life the Bible says if you believe in him he takes away all this all this punishment he's taken it all already now the thing about this you guys that I just want to say is I know that many of you would say you believe in God right like if we asked you on the way in hey do you believe in God already I I bet you 95 percent of you would say yeah Probably 95% of you would say, yeah, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose again. I believe in the resurrection. And my question is, what does that mean to you when you say you believe? Because hey, millions of people all across America believe right now. They would say, oh, yes, I believe in this God. Hey, I want to read a verse to you because there's just many verses like this in the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 19. It says this. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. They say, so you sit here and you go, Oh, but I believe in this God. He goes, Okay, great. So do the demons in hell. So you're right there with them. Except that they, they actually fear him. So maybe they're even a step above you. I mean, what does believe mean to you? If it's just intellectual belief that you believe that this God exists, that's not enough. The, the Bible says it's true belief. That true belief has actions behind it. If you really believe something, you would actually do something. There'd be a change in your life. And you guys I, I don't wanna I, I hope I don't sound judgmental right now. But but here's what I'm saying. This is this is really what got me in a ministry to begin with. It, it it honestly just freaks me out. Most of America would say that they're Christian. They're followers of Jesus, just like a lot of us in this room would say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But when I look at people's lives, I just go, there's nothing in your life that shows me that you really believe this thing. And I don't say that to be judgmental. I say that out of concern. Like, man, God says real belief would, would manifest itself somehow in the way that you live if you really believe that God sent a son to die for you, I mean, those of you who are parents, could you imagine watching your son crucified, your child crucified, and to think and to believe that God went through that for you and, and for you just to casually go, oh, yeah, I believe that. Are you kidding me? If you really believe that, your life would change, your life would be different. You'd fall in love with this God and say, God, I'll do anything for you. You'd be blown away by the love of this being. You know, this whole belief thing. Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 21, he's talking about judgment. He's talking about the end. He says, hey, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He just says it flat out. It's not like everyone at the end says, oh, Jesus, you're my Lord. He says, not everyone who says that is going to go into the kingdom of heaven. He says, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He's not the person who just calls me Lord, but the one who really treated me like Lord on the earth. He says there's going to be a lot of people. A lot of people. Listen to this. He has many people on that day, are going to say, Oh, but didn't I do this? But didn't I do that? And and it says that God's going to say to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. That being on the throne is going to look at you and say, Depart from me. I never knew you. I never had a knowledge. We never had a relationship. You never really meant it when you called me your Lord. See, that, that terrifies me. See, see, when I started, you know, preaching and talking to people about God, it wasn't about the people in the world that bugged me. It was the people in the church that bugged me, that, that said they believed in God, but their lives were really no different than the hypocrisy that I think we are all disgusted with in the church. What does it mean to you when you say you believe? A, a few months ago, I did an illustration here at church and just about lost my job. But uh, remember when I brought the BB gun in? And uh, there was a point to it all, though. You know, I had a BB gun, and, and, uh, and, and I put a little balloon there on the wall. You know, just a little balloon about this big. I blew it up, put it on the wall, and said, hey, how many people think I can, I can hit this balloon, you know, from here with this BB gun? And, and almost everyone raised their hand, okay? And was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. I believe you can do it. I said, okay, keep your hands up. How many of you, then, are willing to walk up there and hold that, that balloon between your teeth? And so then only about, like, five people, you know, kept their hands up. And so then I called one of the guys out. I was like, okay, you, you believe that? Get up there. And he, he got up there. This was the Saturday night service. And he held the balloon between his teeth. And I started to point the gun up because I thought, okay, he's going to quit. He's going to quit. And he just stood there with it between his teeth. And I was going to put the gun down, but then I thought, I can hit it. And, uh, <laughs> and I shot the balloon, you know, and I hit the balloon. Okay, but... But my point was, at the end of it, was, okay, everyone raised their hand when I said, hey, you believe that I can hit it. But honestly, how many people in the room really believed? Probably about five, huh? Only five really believed. They were willing to stick the thing between their teeth. And and you guys, that's what I'm saying about Christianity, about following Jesus. Yeah, anyone can raise their hand and say, I'll follow him. But I'm saying, what about when it's difficult, when there's risk? Have you really stuck this thing between your teeth? You guys, I don't want to sound like this angry preacher or whatever, you know. I'm just totally concerned because there came a point in my life when I had to evaluate do I really believe or is just something that mommy and daddy taught me or something that my friends took me to church or this or that or is it something in my heart that I would die for and I can stand before you right now and say, this isn't some game to me, this isn't some hobby that I tack on my life, man, I would die for this thing. I know this is true. I know that Jesus died on that cross for me, and I know that he rose again, and I know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. The, the Bible says that God doesn't want us going through life wondering, oh, if I die, what's going to happen to me? He says, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and then the only thing, man, all I want to say to you is, this is all I care about is that you know that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven because God's already paid for your penalty. God's already, you know, been punished. Someone's already been punished for your crimes. But is it real to you? And let me close with this. You know, after Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven, the apostles, they preached, and they told the people basically what I just shared with you. And in Acts chapter 2, when, when Peter first delivered the message, the people heard and they go, okay, so that was Jesus, that was the Messiah, the promised one. He died for me, and, and so all of my sins can be forgiven, and I can come in, into the presence of God. They go, where do I sign up? What do I need to do? The Bible says they were so struck in their hearts, they said, what do you want us to do? And Peter looked at the people and he says, here's what I want you to do. Two things. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38, repent means you're going one direction in life and it means to do a 180 and head the exact opposite direction. That means that one time you're thinking about yourself, it's all about you and about how good you are, what a good person you are, how you're going to make it to heaven. He says, and you turn from that and go, oh man, I'm sick, I know what I've done before, holy God, I need what Jesus did on the cross for me. I'm ready to follow him. You, you turn from your old way of life, you follow him, he goes, you repent and you get baptized. Getting baptized meant you and went in, went in the water and they dipped you in the water and you came back out. but it wasn't just about going in the water and coming out. it was what it symbolized. It was you were publicly saying before these people, "Look, just like Jesus died and rose again, I'm dying to my old way of life, I'm coming up and I'm living a new way of life." And you've got to understand something. When these guys got baptized back then, it was intense, because remember, Jesus had just been crucified. And the people know: Are you going to follow this Jesus? Because the same thing could happen to you. So when they publicly went in that water, many of them were killed. Many of them were killed because suddenly they said, "We're a follower of this Jesus that you guys hate." So when they publicly got baptized, it was—and you got to understand, this still happens in other countries. In America, it's just kind of this casual thing: Oh, okay, I don't get baptized. Oh, wait till grandma comes so she can see. It's not like that. You know, in in most cultures, man, this is huge. You're saying before God, God, look, I will publicly declare anywhere that I'm a follower of yours. And I'll stand in front of these people and say, I'm not ashamed. I follow you. It's about action. You guys, I'm not going to ask you this morning, do you believe in Jesus? Because that's a pretty easy thing to answer. I'm saying, do you truly believe? Believe to the point where your life shows it and people can see by the way that you live. That this isn't just some hobby to you. This isn't just something you show up to every once in a while. But man, he's everything to you. Because you guys, if this were my last day on earth, I'd be standing before that holy God. And I'm ready for that day. I can't wait for that day. (laughs) And I hope that's you. Man, there's nothing, there's nothing like knowing him and having the peace that I'm spending eternity with that God.